Well, Todd Wood, at CD Media, we've decided never to have a paywall on any of our sites. I hate those. But we have to make money, so we do have advertisements. But some people don't like ads. So what can you do? You can sign up for our no ad subscription. It's a few bucks a month. You go to the top of any of our sites and sign up for the subscription, and you get access to all of our websites, all of the news from around the world. This includes our Eastern European, Israeli, Balkan sites. It includes armedforces.press. It includes all the U.S. papers that we've opened, the Miami Independent, the Connecticut Sentinel, the Georgia Record, the Manhattan.press, and the, those that are yet to come in the pipeline, which will be opening soon. So you get all this access to fantastic news from around the world with no ads, no display ads, no pop-up ads. I think you'll love it. Please check us out. It helps support CD media, independent media, and basically confronting the propaganda that's being put out by the corporate media. Thank you. Now let's get to our guest. Hi, everybody. I'm Christine Dolan. This is our Global Conversation Show in Plain Sight, and I'm with my colleague Todd Wood here today, and we are with Ed Dodd, and we are here to discuss his book that came out that I read in the last day, and I have to tell you, it is the book, the book that should be in everybody's household, 7 billion worldwide. If you're illiterate, have somebody read it to you but it is the book that should stop this utter madness and get these shots off the shelf worldwide. Ed, congratulations on this book. Thank you so much. It was, uh, uh, there was teamwork involved. I had my partners in Portugal at my hedge fund. I had insurance uh, executive whistleblowers. I have insurance Wall Street analysts. I have Gavin DeBecker that helped assist with a lot of the research on the book. And of course, uh, Robert Kennedy's uh, uh, foreword. So this is a team effort. Um, and it's, you know, this is a book that should give people pause and I hope to change the marginal mind. I come at it from a Wall Street point of view, not a medical point of view. I'm not a doctor and a scientist, but it's what I did on Wall Street. I live in the world between perception and reality. Perception is this is safe and effective. And the reality is it's, it's not only not safe and effective, it's lethal. It's the most deadly vaccine we've ever seen on the planet. And excess mortality is up around the globe and disabilities up around the globe. So, Ed, let's talk for the audience's sake, for those who don't know you, okay? A lot of us do that have been covering COVID, but for those that don't know you, give um, the audience some of your background because you were a managing director at BlackRock. Sure. I'll start at uh, right out of college, Notre Dame. I went to uh, HSBC, Hong Kong, Shanghai Bank, where I was an institutional fixed income salesperson for five years in Chicago. And as a young man, I learned about the credit markets, the interest rate markets, the currency markets. Uh, and how basically the global monetary system works. And I saw my first frauds there. I saw Kidder, Kidder Peabody blow up. I saw Orange County fraud. And you know, this is what Wall Street uh, typically does. They create uh, rolling frauds. The Federal Reserve is involved, not directly, but easy money usually leads to excess and frauds. 
So I, I cut my teeth in fraud as a young man, went back to business school. Then I graduated, wanted to get into the equity side of the business, and I went to Donaldson, Lufkin, and Genret as an electric utility analyst, where I spent two years during the dot-com boom, 1997 through 99. Right down the hall from me were the internet folks doing equity research, and they were paid directly by investment banking. I was a young man, not being paid a ton of money to be, you know, nothing more than an uh, Excel spreadbook uh, slave, so to speak. But my, co my young colleagues down the hall who were just out of college and business school who were working for the senior analysts were making a couple million dollars a year as associates. The senior analyst was making 15 to 20. How is that possible? Well, they were issuing IPOs of companies that basically had no revenues, no cash flows, and the stocks were working because there was speculation and fraud due to easy money from the Fed. So I, I figured out how the system worked at an early age. I went up to the buy side in Boston to do uh, become a tech analyst at Independence Investments, which is a $30 billion firm. And I cut my teeth there. I said, this is all nonsense. This is fraud. And I turned uh, that call into a portfolio management job a couple of years later at BlackRock in 2002, large cap growth portfolio. I was a co-portfolio manager with another gentleman. When we got the product, it was $2 billion in size. We grew it to $14 billion through um, performance and then gathering assets because of our good performance. When the, when the uh, housing crisis came, the financial real estate fraud, we saw that coming. We were long only, which meant we lost money, but we lost a lot less money than our peers because we saw it coming. And, uh, you know, uh, again, I've seen fraud after fraud. The dot-com fraud, the refrain mm -hmm. then was, it's a new paradigm. In the real estate housing fraud, the refrain was, um, home prices never go down. I liken what's going on with the vaccines to a financial fraud, safe and effective. And we all know that these refrains get proven wrong over time. And this is the greatest global fraud I've ever seen in my lifetime. It involves the regulators, politicians, uh, global governments, and global uh, health organizations. I watched your video of the last post you had on Getter, which was a, 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 an hour seminar you did. I'm not sure where it was, but the theme of it was that you thought that this entire uh, fraud, I guess for a lack of a better word, it is is a, an attempt to mask the collapse of the global financial system. Could you speak about that a little bit? Sure. So that I don't put that in my book because we want to keep the book simple. The book yeah. is basically the book is basically here. This is real. It's happened. It's a crime. It's now negligence and cover up. What I'm going to tell you right now is my speculation, but I have pretty good uh, evidence to suggest that my speculation from the beginning is correct. So basically, those of us after the great financial crisis saw what the central banks and the global governments did. They basically, to, to take us out of that systemic near-death experience, the Federal Reserve started doing unprecedented monetary actions, uh, quantitative easing, printing money, uh, global governments went on spending sprees. And for the past 12 years, it's basically been a zombie economy for all those but the super rich and those close to the printing machines. So we all in the financial community uh, were trying to figure out when is the super bubble, what we call the global sovereign debt bubble, finally blow up. Mm -hmm. Well, there were some signposts in, in the fall of 2019. There was a repo crisis and uh, overnight interest rates shot up. And that's the guts of the system. When overnight rates explode like that, there's something going on with the plumbing. And, uh, and we were expecting a synchronized global slowdown. Well, there was, but it was, a, it was COVID. And the COVID then became an excuse, a convenient excuse for central banks, especially the Federal Reserve, to print 65% more money 
uh, in one year, which is the most amount of money we've ever seen printed. Other central banks did the same thing. Global governments spent gobs and gobs of money on COVID. So it kind of kicked the can down the road for a couple more years. But here we are. We're starting to careen into one of the deepest recessions we've ever seen. And my tip that this was that COVID, I'm not going to get into whether COVID was created to do this or used as an excuse, but it doesn't matter. We're here. It doesn't matter. What I will tell you is this uh, in uh, April 3rd of 2020, a month after the lockdowns, uh, James Bullard, Federal Reserve President, gets on Face the Nation and they ask him, How are we going to reopen the economy? Everyone's so scared. And he, he smiled and he said, Oh, but there's a solution. We have great surveillance technology and, and tracking technology. We can issue immunity badges. And I, I said to myself, what in God's name is a Federal Reserve president talking about here? And that's when I was tipped off that, ah, because we all thought if you're going to cover up a global sovereign debt collapse and you're the central bankers and politicians that caused it because of your uh, ineptness, you, you sure would like an excuse. We always thought it would be a war or something else. Well, COVID it was the excuse. And it's also an attempt to bring in the control system. Uh, you know, you can shut down protests, you can shut down bank runs, which is going on in China as we speak. Mm -hmm. You can use it to get people to comply. You start with vaccine passports, you start with, that leads into a digital ID, which leads to a digital central, central bank currency. So as far as I was concerned, that was the theory of the case. I put out a, a, a tweet thread uh, in May of 2020 under the, um, I called it a dystopian movie script because what I said then sounded so crazy, but what it basically was, was everything we saw in 21 and 22, vaccine passports, mandates, demonization of the unvaccinated, suppression of information, which I called. And that's, you know, it was, it was just a, a movie script, but I saw if this is really going to be used as a control system, they needed to basically shut down any dissent. And that's what I've been experiencing. I mean, it's kicked off Twitter in June of 22, mm -hmm. merely citing uh, peer review papers and CDC numbers that didn't fit the narrative. You know, what's, what's interesting is that everybody has their epiphany moment. I had mine in February of 2020 with the Lancet report, you know, that, that this didn't come from a lab because uh, I was trained as a criminal investigator. And, and I said, well, it's too early to decide that because this is just the beginning of the journey on this. You have it from, from your financial. Todd had it from his experience as well. We were the, the first uh, news network uh, online that interviewed the vaccine, got them on, I was talking to them, it got them on camera and we put them out there. So what's interesting about your book for me to look at was everything that we have been reporting as journalists, you know, which is always piecemeal. You talk to Mr. X or Ms. X and they, they give their own stories or the doctors, you know, wherever they are all over the world who have been living under medical tyranny because of their medical boards when they decide that they want to give ivermectin or don't want to give remdesivir. Um, <clears throat> what was yours? Was 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 it seeing the, the Federal Reserve guy on television? Was, was that sort of like a boom? Well, so a little history. Uh, a month before Anybody on Maui knew COVID was coming. I mean, you know, like you guys, I'm one of those information junkies. So I knew a month before that COVID was a thing. Mm -hmm. So I stocked up before anybody even knew what was going on. I was in fear before everybody else was in fear. Then everyone got in fear. And then within a month, uh, I started to have suspicions. And then when I saw the Federal Reserve, uh, because I had suspicions, all of a sudden mass mandate, like they said, don't get masks. And there was just messaging that was just all over the place. Well, it was totally contradictory from, yeah. from one week to the next. Yeah. And so I, I, I started to get suspicious. And then 
in April 3rd, when I saw it, I was like, ah, this is what they're going to use to cover up the, the global financial sovereign debt crisis. And then it clicked. And I knew vaccines were coming. I knew mandates were coming. And I called that out. And then uh, uh, but then, you know, in, in early 21, when the vaccine campaign would be so uh, surreal, I, I thought, you know, people would know this is an experimental and that it takes seven to 10 years to really vet these things. Well, I didn't realize how badly people were going to be snowed and how much BS was going to come out of the, the mouths of our health authorities and, 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 and the government. I mean, I, I was on Maui driving around in March of 2021. Keep in mind, it was still under EUA and it had only been authorized under EUA. They were saying on the radio, go get your vaccine it's been approved by the FDA. I mean, there were just things that I've never seen happen. And then the push from uh, celebrities and this coordination, I, I'd never seen anything like it. And, and, and I knew then that something was up. Then I started hearing the anecdotes about the vaccine. And that's when I, you know, that's when I lost my mind and started saying to people, I'm gonna look at insurance. Cause I knew eventually it would show up in the metadata, eventually. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if I was wrong, I wanted to, I wanted to be wrong. I wanted mm -hmm. this to be like, uh, Ed, you've lost your mind. Well, you come, <laughs> come the fall of, uh, fall, winter of, uh, 21, 22, it started showing up in insurance company results, funeral home results. Luckily <laughs> I had met Dr. Malone on the Island of Maui. I had hooked up with him. We wrote him something called the Malone doctrine, a, a document to take back our institutions under integrity. And through him, my voice was elevated. And then, uh, I got on Steve Bannon's show and then people started rallying around me. So mm -hmm. this journey has been interesting. I, you know, I'm not, it's not just Ed, you see, it's a team of experts. I mean, I have PhD physicists that are helping me and uh, it's not just me, some dude with a spreadsheet. I have whistleblowers. I, I just talked to a CDC whistleblower the other day. Uh, you know, I have insurance industry whistleblowers. I had Brooke Jackson, the whistleblower uh, from uh, the Pfizer trials. I talked to her. As far as I'm concerned, the Pfizer trial is fraud, just mm -hmm. abject fraud. The numbers are garbage. I think the whole thing was garbage from the get-go, and the FDA put the rubber stamp of approval on it. So this is just fraud through and through, all throughout. And, what, what do you uh, think the agenda is, Ed? What's the payoff? I mean, Malone thinks it has something to do with, you know, we need this technology, and it's a just a, a trial without informed consent. I mean, what, what is your thought on why this is happening? I'm curious. Well, you know, I think the vaccine passports were, were going to be the, the gateway to the central bank digital currency and a control mm -hmm. system. Mm -hmm. I think, if you remember, Borla, the CEO of Pfizer, did come out after things started getting squirrely with the vaccine, and he's trying to walk it back. He did say, I was surprised they went with this new technology. So I and, then, and then he said at the World Economic Forum, imagine the compliance. Right. <laughs> But, but but the point I'm trying to make is I think they screwed up. I, I mean, they would have been better off injecting saline solution to all of us, calling it a vaccine, and then getting everyone to comply. Because mm -hmm. whatever they whatever happened here is killing people so fast and disabling them that it's leaving a trail. So if their goal was to um, implement a control system, it's failed, and it's going to continue to fail. And then they're going to there's going to be you know um, Nuremberg 2.0 trials. This has been an abject disaster. So 
I think the vaccine was a gateway to, to control and eventually a central bank digital currency and a digital ID and a, and a social credit score. But I, I, I think they screwed up. I mean, they would have been better off injecting us with sugar water. I actually have a couple of whistleblowers that have been talking to us for over a year and a half. And they have said to me, Christine, these are incompetent crooks because the evidence is right in front of you. And so they'll tell us, you know, which way to go. I mean, there's so many octopus legs here. But let's get back to your book, because I really want people all over the world. Are you going to translate this book? Uh, if, it, if it does, it's, that, that's Tony Lyons decision. I'm, I don't have uh, I'm not privy to okay. that. that okay. I'm not our, in the room on that one. Our good friend Tony Lyons from Skyhorse Publishing has published this book, ladies and gentlemen, and who, who also published uh, Bobby Kennedy's book and several other books that are in the pipeline. But this book, uh, Ed, in terms of, I, I want to ask you as the author of this, how did you decide what exactly to put in it? Because I think it's brilliant in terms of anybody who's on the fence or anybody who has any doubt, because it is a pre-COVID versus post-COVID vaccination. Or co no. I should say COVID disease versus a post-vaccination. How did you decide how to, how to design this? Because it really, it really moves. Well, so it's kind of a story, a little bit about my journey. So I started with hearing about, you know, sudden sudden deaths in athletes, fit athletes, also the anecdotes in my friend group in 21, not 2020. No one I knew in 2020 got COVID on this island. No one. I mean, there was COVID cases on Maui, but I didn't know anybody. Then in 2021, COVID's everywhere. The mysterious stories of that so-and-so died in his sleep. So it starts off with uh, just, you know, an introduction of sudden uh, fit deaths amongst the most athletic amongst us. And then we cite a study, the Lusane study, which says that over the past 38 years, sudden athletic deaths on the field average about 29 a year globally. We're lucky now if we got 29 in one month. The numbers are like, you know, 50 to 100 a month, 150. It's just insane. So we start off with the anecdotes and the stories to let people know that this is not normal. This hasn't happened before. Then I bring in the metadata. And the big thing in the metadata, and it's just there in my face, is there was a shift from old in 2020, excess death, to young excess death. Right. In millennials Overwhel and overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly. Yeah, correct. The smoking gun is in the millennials and the children in the UK. That is even that, 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 you know, I just kept coming up with smoking gun after smoking gun. And, you know, so the millennials was what I was known for first. That charts in the book, basically 25 to 44 experienced an 84 percent rise in excess mortality into Q3 of 2021, which, as we know, is mandates. Mm -hmm. um, then that was later confirmed this uh, summer by the Society of Actuaries, which is in the book. They, they have the same number. So it's we, we calculated it in March. Society of Actuaries, same numbers. This is group life policyholders. Then, you know, my Ph.D. Um, uh, physicists in the U.K. Uh, in Portugal ran the U.K. numbers and they discovered something very interesting. Obviously, there's excess mortality mixed shift from old to young. But what's even more interesting is they have better vaccine uptake data than the US. And we were able to see that excess mortality for one through 14 year olds went down during uh, COVID and the initial vaccination period. That made sense because the greatest cause of death is accidental. So if you're shut down lockdown, you're not moving around as much. 
Then their excess mortality literally started to go back up again as soon as vaccinations were introduced. So there's smoking guns everywhere. They're in Europe, they're in the UK, old to young. And so the data really kind of wrote the book for me. And it was, you know, I, I kind of look at this like divine providence. While I was writing the book, um, Denmark, this, right. you know, and I, we were looking at the Denmark data because it was so bad. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Denmark's total population um, has seen excess mortality rise 2021 over 2020, 2022 over 21. It's like up and to the right. And then we look at every age cohort. Every age cohort is at excess mortality in excess of the previous year. Uh, so the whole country, whatever, and I think it was one of the most vaccinated countries, um, experienced a rise ac across uh, all age groups, uh, excess death into 2022. And mysteriously, as we were coming up with this data, Denmark suspended the vaccine for under 50 while I was writing, literally that week, we we're putting the book together. And I'm like, oh my gosh, so I had to incorporate that into the book. They, they, they suspended the vaccine for under 50-year-olds saying, and I quote, it's better to get COVID than the vaccine, which is uh, a gobbledygook Orwellian speak for the vaccine will kill you more than COVID would. So this is, this is just incredible how this book came together and the team around me, and it, it kind of wrote itself. Um, and initially, one of the things I was known for was figuring out that there was a switch from old to young. And, you know, there's no virus I know of that um, goes from killing old people to young people in year two of a pandemic. Okay, it makes no sense. Any virologist or epidemiologist would uh, tell, tell you that's crazy. And I'm about to go before Senator Johnson next week. And I'm going to be presenting my theory of the case. I have three slides and I'm using two uh, sets of data, the Society of Actuaries and the US, US disability data. And what I show definitively from these two different data sets, it's not even my partner's data. We have backup data on our Humanity Project website, but this data says this, that uh, in 2021, there was a 40% excess mortality in the group life policy holders, which are phenomenally more healthy than the general US population. Right. The, the general U.S. population mortality was 32% in 2021. That relationship flipped in 21. Group life policyholders died about a third the mortality rate of the U.S. population in any given year. So that flipped. So eight percentage point difference. What's the only difference for group life policyholders versus the general population? Employment at Fortune 500 companies and mid-sized companies and mandates and vaccines. So we're, kill we're killing our working age population. Oh, yeah. I, and I, I actually I'm going to say to Senator Johnson that, well, that's so, so the working so it's literally detrimental to be in, for your health to be employed in 2021. The disability disability data says the same thing. Since mm -hmm. May of 21, we've seen a stark rise in disabilities from like around 30 million to 33 million absolute numbers. But if you, if you dig into the numbers, the, uh, re the disability rate increase for the general population was 11%. For the, for the employed population, the disability rate increase was 26% into September of 22. So that was, that was a startling number when I read that. The, and and yeah. I, 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 we knew that, you know, that having interviewed uh, banks injured, we knew that many of them couldn't go back to work. We also know that that's probably an under 
underreported number because a lot of them were denied disability from some of the people that we interviewed who were vaxxed injured. Well, this, so what I like about this data, it's, it's the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. So it's a monthly survey. It's not tied to any claim. It's literally self-reported. So, so that's why this is what I call, you know, for us Wall Street geeks, it's a real-time data series with uh, good velocity and, and volatility. So it's right real-time. There's no lag effect. So we love it. Um, it's generally speaking directionally right. And to give you an idea, um, the rate of change since May of 21, year-over-year -year rate of change was a three-standard deviation event into uh, September of 22, which is a, you know, uh, happens 0.03% of the times. So that's what we call a trend change, a signal change. So it's up and to the right, looks like a growth stock chart. And again, what I'm gonna say to Senator Johnson is, the vaccine is the only thing that can explain this. Right. The health authorities don't wanna talk about this. I find that's very curious. I think this is a national security concern because we've potentially poisoned our most able-bodied working Americans and college students and first responders military. and military personnel. And military, yeah. U.S. military. So, so I this, see this, this you know, this being a military guy, it looks to me like it's, you know, it's a bioweapon attack. I mean, if you look at the consequences, if, if you were a foreign power who wanted to destroy our ability to function in a wartime environment, you would do this, right? So I'm not going to speculate on that because I just want – this issue to get out now i will tell you there's going to be an investigation and we're going to figure this out but all i know is it's true it's happened it's a national security concern right and if it's and if it's not the vaccine i i, I would employ anybody out there to tell me what it is but it's it's not being talked about the most able-bodied amongst us are, are falling down dead and are being taken out of the workforce so that that just the truth those are the facts i think it's the vaccine I'm going to tell Senator Johnson, you need to get national security on this to figure out what's going on. Because if it's not the vaccine, oh, my gosh, what 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 could it be? Yeah. Well, you do humbly write that in the book and in some of your chapters. You, you do say if it you, you say, that, you know, there's nothing left left other than do a you know, criminal prosecution or criminal investigation. But you also say if here's the facts, here are the charts. You don't write it in geek, you know, wording. Um, so it's very easy for the public to read this book. And at this, I mean, you really tell a story, but you also say, if it's not what you've concluded, then somebody else come forward and say what it is. Correct. So you leave, you leave the door open to be challenged, which is good because the only thing that they can come forward with is falsification because we all know now going into three years of this nonsense, we know now that when they said safe and affected repeatedly, that that was a lie. It's not safe and effective for everyone. We also know that they haven't that the uh, manufacturing and the clinical trial protocols and standards of practice have never been met. They've made excuses for that for for the U.S. pharmaceutical shots. We know that they changed the definition of vaccinations early on uh, to include mRNA. Now it's gene therapy, which you know you were saying earlier. The public doesn't really understand because they were sold garbage and thinking that these were going to stop the transmission. They were going to stop getting the disease because that's what people said repeatedly. And now we see people walk back a little bit. Gates, 
Gates and Fauci both said, and I can't remember what month this was, but they, you know, when we got to the breakthrough cases around the end of July, beginning of August, 2021, they said, they admitted that, okay, you know, it doesn't stop the transmission, but you're better off because, you, you know, you're not going to die in the hospital or some nonsense like that. But Gates even went so far as to say, well, I, I don't know why we're making this mandatory when it doesn't stop the transmission and it doesn't stop the disease. So it's, uh, it's I mean, they, they, there's no way that they can backpedal this. No, no. It's gone on long enough for us all to collect all this, uh, all this evidence. Well, it's even worse than that. They doubled down and they uh, put rammed it through for the childhood vaccine schedule. Mm -hmm. I knew they would, because that's a legal tactic to protect mm -hmm. them. I, 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 people say, oh, Ed, I've lost hope. They got it on the childhood vaccine schedule. I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> there's not going to, once this comes out, there's not going to be a court in the land that's going to protect them. And they'll say you violated the spirit of, of uh, immunity. You know, they'll come up with a new legal theory to, to put these people in jail once the evidence comes out. I, I don't mm -hmm. think they're going to be protected by this, you know, nonsense of getting it on the childhood vaccine schedule. I have full faith that eventually, once enough people figure this out, and the tide turns. And that's why I always talk about the marginal mind. And that's what this book is, is, is to do. I'm a capital markets guy. Everything happens on the margin. Once we get to a tipping point, it's over. And we don't need, you know, the politicians will turn on these people faster than you can shake a stick at. You know that. And we're, we're close. We're close to getting there because November 1st, Isaac Belfer, who I'm going to make famous, he is a DOJ attorney representing the FDA in the case about what FDA said about uh, ivermectin. They put out there, don't use it. Seven billion people believe that the FDA said don't use it. And they went back to court and basically said, oh, it wasn't mandatory. You know, we, it was just chatter that was out there on our, on our, Facebook, on our website. So we know that they're going to play with the word games going forward with this. Let me, let me ask you something about this. Um, you know, you look at trends. We as investigative journalists looking at corruption, we look at the trends, what's down the road. We know that the longer that you know fraud goes on, the more information we have to play to, to pull back the onion peel. I've been thinking about one of the things that comes out of this in terms of a business is blood banks. Because you're going to have to have clean blood for those people yeah. who haven't taken the vaccinations. What kind of industries do you think will come out of this, Ed? Um, there's going to be new, this is going to, the kimono has been open as to what's been going on behind the scenes for uh, our healthcare system for a while. The FDA has been corrupted for a long time. Mm -hmm. This was a bridge too far, and it can be seen. It's, it can be seen in the metadata. Before it was one-off products that were getting through because so and so in the FDA would do a revolver door policy to Pfizer after they left, and there's scratch your back and money. You know, 75 percent of the FDA's budget in the pharmaceutical arm comes from from the, the drug companies. So the corruption has been there for a while. So I think there's going to be a big move to holistic medicines. Doctors, faith in doctors is going to be lost. There's going to be a look at kind of the holistic picture of the human being and very cheap, effective ways to treat because our, our, our healthcare system is based on new patented drugs mm -hmm. and a dismissal of off-label drugs that can do the job for much cheaper. And uh, this is going to change healthcare for years to come. I think also uh, the insurance industry is going to have to figure out a way to recapitalize itself. I think um, blood are thinning. They are, they, are they ready for that, Ed? No, they, they, they're not even. They, they're, they, they're asleep at the switch. Okay. Uh, there's, there's some people on the inside, but I, I have a whistleblower 
she tells me the stories of the the the, the, the uh, conversations she has with her CEO and CFO. She's you know a senior. She's in the, at the, in the in the senior team, and it's like it's like Bizarro Land. They talk and brag about what how many boosters they got, and they're just happy they got COVID, but they're happy that it could have been worse. They could have been in the hospital. I mean, so there's they're still believing in the medical divinity of Fauci's fraud fraudulent statements. Yeah. Look, I think part of what we see going on here is I, this is my third mass psychosis formation. I saw it in the dot com days, you know, new paradigm. I saw it in the housing crisis. So I've seen these before. And ego, once ego takes hold, I want, I've watched people ride stocks down to zero with their ego uh, and then they lose their careers, but they can't admit they're wrong. And this vaccine, when it first came out, there was a huge cohort of people in our country that took it not necessarily for medical reasons, but to be a member of a tribe or yeah. a virtue signal. And now their ego's invested and they can't admit they're wrong. And this is, this is the strangest thing I've ever seen. Just go and to I Boston, like Massachusetts. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the whole town is that way. Yeah, I like I liken what's going on here to a trade, right? So you had a choice. You could go long the vaccine or short the vaccine. Mm -hmm. I went short the vaccine. I didn't get it. Uh, most of the people I know got it. And now they have a decision to make. The thesis that they bought this on or took the jab for was it prevented transmission and you wouldn't get COVID. That thesis is now zero. That that's been compromised. It doesn't prevent COVID or transmission. Now there's serious safety concerns. So I know a lot of people who got the initial shot not getting boosters. So they've basically gone short COVID too, even though they got the initial jab. If you continue to get boosters, it's equivalent to going long longer the stock as the investment thesis crumbles on your way to down ninety percent or zero. Except this time you're on the wrong side of the trade. It's not just money you're going to lose. You're going to lose your life potentially or be seriously disabled. Yeah. So this is this is the strangest asymmetric information gap of my financial career. And this is a trade. And I want people to understand, get on the right side of the trade. Stop taking the boosters and, you know, look at ways to mitigate the damage that may have occurred from these vaccines. There are new uh, protocols coming out that can help us. So there's hope. But don't let your ego drive you down into the dirt because it's not money; it's your life and your health. For sure. I, I, I based on your uh, the hour interview I watched with you, uh, you, you said something that you were optimistic after about a ten year period. You know, back when I was on the street in my early days, I remember Stephen Roach telling everybody about how China's great. Don't worry about China. I remember thinking as a bond guy that. There's no way we can service our debt if interest rates just get back to a normal 10-year kind of level, and that basically every all the federal budget is going to go to interest rate debt service costs. So, do you think this has all been planned for a while? I mean, I look back; I was kind of stupid back then, but now I look back on it, it looks to be like a multi-decade. Uh, you know, Steve Bannon calls it managed decline. I mean, what what do you, what's your thoughts on that in the from from the financial side of things? And why are you optimistic? Well, it's a couple things. So um, a debt-based monetary system like the one we have, it was created uh, in 1913 when we had the Central Bank Federal Reserve. And then there was a, a, an augmentation to it when we uh, became the world's reserve currency. And uh, debt-based monetary systems need one thing and one thing only, constant credit creation, constant. Mm -hmm. And it's not the stock of debt, it's the flow. It's, it's a, it's a multi-generational Ponzi scheme. And when the flow stops, that's when it collapses. Hmm. And after the great financial crisis, we printed dollars and it flowed all over the globe. 
and a lot of people took out dollar-denominated debt. Well, China uh, issued a lot of debt, a lot of dollar-denominated debt to keep their uh, merry-go-round going, and their merry-go-round kind of ended with the great financial crisis. They had right. a demographic slowing of growth, but they continued to kick the can down the road by building ghost cities and infrastructure projects. Well, in 2020, when COVID hit, you know, coincidentally, they hit a demographic wall. They're now in population decline and their cities aren't going to get filled. These infrastructure project projects won't get used and this debt won't get serviced. So China is imploding as we speak. These, these riots you see are economic in nature. So, you know, there's multifaceted reasons why people mm. are protesting. But when you get enough people who can't feed their family, they start talking to each other and they get in the streets. That's what we're seeing. And bank runs, of course. So let me ask you some things because we know, <clears throat> pardon me, from our reporting, we know we have the documents for it about the uh, part yeah. of the end goals of this. I mean, because it's multifaceted is to have seasonal shots, okay? Uh, and it's to combine the mRNA, or whatever you want to call the stage of this thing. Uh, into the flu, tuberculosis, malaria. We know that UNICEF, which is the largest purchaser in the world uh, for vaccinations, has already started rolling out the mRNA in Sub-Saharan Africa for all these other shots. Now, do you take any of that into consideration for your analysis about their end goal is to have these seasonal shots and the fact that we've got uh, the U.S. under the Biden administration wanting to put our health sovereignty of animals, plants, um, animals, plants, and humans under the One Health paradigm under the, the WHO to make the, you know, to have them have authority over us and our policy? Or do you just leave it, are you just focused on the actuaries and, and all these graphs that you've got in the book for just where we are now? Because these guys, they're, they're on a train wreck that, and they haven't fallen off the tracks yet. So, Given what we've seen so far is enough to devastate our labor force and economies for years to come. We don't know the medium term and long term effects of the damage that's already been done by these vaccines. The introduction of new vaccines under the mRNA umbrella would only accelerate what we already see. So what we see now is disability continuing to grow. We get we get the disability numbers, uh, today's Thursday, we get November disability numbers tomorrow. Mm -hmm. It went to a new high in September. It came back down a little bit in October. It wouldn't shock me if it went to another high in November. Um, you know, if, if the vaccine injuries were short-term in nature or right after the shot, um, we shouldn't be seeing this continued increase. So we're, we're starting to become concerned about medium and long-term effects from this. And I have some data from my whistleblower. The Society of Actuaries doesn't report um, their numbers both annually. So 2021 was reported in August, but the internal SOA numbers are in August of this year, millennials were still experiencing 36% excess mortality. Wow. I would have thought, I would have thought that would come down uh, because uh, you know, booster uptake has gone down. So no, no, univer no, universities here in the United States are still pushing boosters. That's why there's a demonstration tomorrow at Yale because they are demanding that the kids get boosters and the faculty and staff don't have to. Well, it's millennials, millennials are 25 through 44, so there's no college students in that cohort. Mm -hmm. So these are employed people that or graduate are, students. Well, that's that's all fine, but that that wouldn't affect the numbers. What okay. I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say to you is. 
the booster uptake across the, the um, corporate mandates has lessened somewhat. It's not, it's not universal. Some companies are quietly dropping. Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley kind of pulled, you know, went into the hedgerow and disappeared on this, even though they led the charge. So booster uptakes down. The point I'm trying to make is it doesn't matter. It's actually, I think, that uh, they got the shot and now it's presenting itself up to a year later. That's, that's my worry and concern is that this has got some delayed impacts uh, even without continuing to get jabs. That's my worry. Yeah. So why do you think Goldman Sachs and uh, Morgan Stanley pulled back? What was it that they saw? What are you hearing well, on the street? Don't know. But I, I can tell you this. Um, I have LinkedIn page and I get viewed quite a bit. And a lot of people hide when they view me. Morgan Stanley is the number one firm that's viewing my profile right now, followed by UBS and Fidelity Investments. Oh, so yeah. something's going on. You're on the target. Yeah. And they're like, who's the crazy guy talking about excess mortality? And I will tell you this. Um, uh, the, we're, we're trying to raise capital for our hedge fund, and there seems to be a tremendous amount of interest uh, I'm not going to name the firm, but from a Wall Street firm that wants to look at our present our slide presentation. Interesting. I I tried to start another hedge fund. We had to go begging for money. The money's yeah. coming to us, and, we're, and we haven't we haven't um, smart money. Yeah, smart. I call it smart money. Mm -hmm. That know that knows that these that these numbers are correct, and they want to uh, talk to us. So we haven't raised the seed capital yet. We're looking for a someone who literally has the same values as us, which is probably not going to be a Wall Street firm, but. Good for you. you. Know, we're gonna we're we're interviewing the seed investor as much as they're interviewing us, and um, Carlos Yuri and I, who's starting this hedge fund, are pledging in in the uh, marketing materials and when we write our firm uh, contracts, we're gonna pledge a lot of our own personal profits for the humanity humanity project, political uh, freedom fighting operations, CHD, you name it. We're not we're not gonna sit around becoming you know, fat cats, uh, you know, buying homes and yachts. We're trying to change the world. We have other projects we want to fund. We believe that uh, to battle the digital bank, uh, central bank currencies, we're going to come up with a crypto idea that is not like Bitcoin. So we're doing all sorts not, of projects. Not like that, Sam Bankman's? No, no. It's, it, it's more, it's based on transactions. It's not based on Ponzi schemes. It's based on um, a, 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 uh, a blockchain that is hidden from the prying eyes of governments. Hmm. So I want to know, because I'm certain that you're looking at it, because I certainly am, what's your analysis of the stocks of uh, the U.S. pharmaceutical companies? Long term, uh, they're, they're not going to be good buys. And uh, one thing I want to say is that there was a, uh, I don't know this person's name, but a friend of mine who used to work, I used to work with in independence investments was a healthcare analyst, went to, into the healthcare hedge fund investing. Now he's a CFO at a biotech firm. He said, one of the best healthcare hedge fund analysts that both worked at both SAC and Millennial uh, said to him in June of 21 that Pfizer will go bankrupt in five years due to crimes against humanity. Mm -hmm. So it's going to happen. Timing's always tough to figure out, but the large pharmaceutical industry is going to be reworked. We're going to ban all these ads on TV eventually through legislation. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm spitballing here, but that's what's going to happen if, if this gets out. And it will get out. I mean, this is, it's, it's, it's getting to the point now where if you don't want to see it, 
you're in denial and you're eventually, so there's the four stages of grief, denial, anger, depression, acceptance. We're in denial still. I want to get, get people to anger. When we get mm -hmm. to anger, we flip this. What about reserve currency issues? What do you think about that? I mean, wh where's the U.S. dollar going to be? How does it play itself out? So because of the way that we've exported dollars and all these countries have dollar-denominated debt, the dollar is going to fail up. And what mm -hmm. I mean by that is it's going to get right now it's in a bit of a pullback, but it's going to get stronger and stronger and stronger relative to, to, relative to other currencies. Inflation is still going to degrade your uh, degrade your value in the U.S., but relative to everybody else, we're going to continue to go higher, which is a sign of global credit stress, global defaults and uh, margin calls. Eventually, when the dollar gets too strong, there'll be this hand wringing. And we have to get together for Bretton Woods three, they're going to tell us, or four, whatever, I forget what number we're on. And then that's when they introduce the central bank digital currency. When, when, and, and, and the U.S. is going to, look, if you're the U.S. and you're the central bank powerhouse, you're literally, by raising interest rates, forcing this margin call, putting other countries into dire straits. And then you're going to hold hold them up and say, "Yeah, we're going to we're going to fix this, but we're still the, we're still the central bank of central bankers, and you're going to listen to us." So that that's how this game works. We're going to bankrupt the world first. There'll be a lot of strife and stress here, uh, but the dollar is going to fail up. And you know, there are other countries that want to get together to de-dollarize. Yeah. But currently, it's just you know they they all, it's it's game theory, right? Yeah. So, how how can you trust the CCP if, with your currency? Correct. So yeah. or Russia. So. Yeah. It's a problem for them. And, you know, one thing I joke about with my friends, they say, oh, what's what's the full faith and credit of the United States mean? I go, it's called nuclear bombs. That's that's how, that, that's what backs our our currency is, is the threat of nuclear devastation. Well, our, our arsenal is aging. But um, what about why didn't the U.S. government spread the duration out on its bonds to 100 years instead of? keeping it very short so now we have to refinance at much higher rates you know i i, I wasn't in the room when they made that call i would yeah. if i was in the room i would have said let's do 100 year bonds uh, all day long yeah all day i mean you know this todd we, mm -hmm. we all day long i would have done this yeah i was just curious if there was a reason i was missing okay no i don't know of one that was a, that was just dumb a, a dumb dumb mistake so I I have uh, two questions for you. What are the tipping points for you? One, two, and three. When you see we get to the blue, as I call it, the Lewinsky blue dress, irrefutable evidence. Okay, where this uh, the tide turns, and do you think the people will be held accountable for crimes? I'm I'm very hopeful uh, because this is. Part of me is hopeful, but it's also at the cost of lives and disability. I, if I'm right, and this is as bad as I think it is, hell on earth is already here. Most mm -hmm. people don't know it. And it's going to cause labor market shortages. It's going to cause um, supply chain breaks. And it's going to become obvious eventually to even the dumbest and dimwit most dimwitted amongst us. So the question is, and what I'm trying to do is pull the, pull the Overton window as quickly as possible. I don't know if there's going to be a hero moment. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people in our movement that keep saying, oh, let's go find more smoking guns. We don't need any more. The evidence is here. The job now is to sell what we know. And this is a grind. I don't think there's going to be, you know, like this is not a movie story ending. Um, if you think about the tobacco litigation, um, what really broke that wide open was state's attorneys 
because uh, everyone individually tried to sue the tobacco companies, but they didn't have enough resources to force discovery. State's attorneys, if they if they if they finally file suit against Pfizer or you know the CDC or the FDA, discovery begins. So we need some brave state's attorneys to start opening up cases, and then that's when things get interesting and documents are revealed. So I'm kind of looking for just a groundswell of people to, to stop complying with this, to go to their own, fight locally against the school mandates, the employer mandates, and then eventually something will break on the national scale. And I don't know what's going to be, but it, it's, it's between now and uh, 2024. Hmm. So uh, my last question has to do with um, the Malone doctrine. Okay. I was very interested and intrigued by that because I actually was involved with implementing the ethics seminars at the World Bank back in the late 1990s. And I know what it takes uh, in terms of having a discussion with people from all over the world from different cultures. And the definition of fraud is very different depending upon where you are, what your tribe is all about. How do you guys, ex how do you guys expect to elevate ethics into something as deeply corrosive as this experience so we wrote the malone doctrine because there was a um there was a belief we needed to convince the cdc we were right or the fda and you know i myself and three other individuals on maui said no and i'll name them tom lewis uh uh uh, Barry O'Keefe and Andrew Aker. And the four of us said, no, 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 no. We have to establish a new hill to fight on. And that hill is the, the hill of integrity. And we're going to declare independence from any institution that doesn't follow these 10 precepts. And right now, the, the Humanity Project is using the Malone Doctrine. And all the data, we're putting, like, we're starting a hedge fund. Most hedge funds would hide this data. We're putting the data out for everyone to see. Because mm -hmm. we know how the world works. They're going to ignore us for a while. But this data is transparent. We want people to collaborate with us. We want people to tell us if we're wrong. This is open source. This isn't so that's we're, we're you know, we're doing what we're doing. And as um, the, I think there's going to be a new economy and a new second mm -hmm. group of institutions that rise. And we hope that they uh, all adopt the Malone doctrine. And if they don't, um, we won't deal with them. So this is kind of it's, it's it starts small and it only has meaning if people give it meaning and adopt it. It's like a declaration of independence but it didn't really have any teeth until we had to fight for it. So this is, you know, this is something that I think gives a framework for institutions and new regulatory bodies that emerge to use where, you know, it's simple things like all data is open to everyone. I mean, right now the CDC is hiding data, the FDA is hiding data. I mean, this is the most, it's our data. We, we're the taxpayers. When did, when did it become okay for the bureaucracy and the, and the, uh, the administrative state to keep this from we the people? So we need to fix this. For sure. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, this is it for Christmas. Santa Claus, everybody needs to get this book, Cause Unknown by Ed Dodd. It is easy to read. It's 216 pages. You can move through it. Um, they have the highlights and the QRs if you want to get into some of the stories that you, that you don't know about. Um, I did find one mistake, though, Ed. I found one mistake. You've got a date wrong on a certain page. And I've told Tony about it for one of your quotes, but it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. You guys meant to put down 2020 instead of 2022. But I told him last night. Awesome. It's hey. the only thing I can find wrong in here because, you know, I, I just I, I cannot I cannot emphasize 
to the public that they need to get this book. When does this book physically come out? I know that they can do pre-orders, but when, when is this book fully released? Uh, according to Tony and on Amazon, it says December 13th. Hmm. And uh, just like you said, it's a good Christmas gift for the family member that doesn't see the reality that is actually here. And, mm -hmm. it, it, and it's presented in a way that won't assault their worldview. It, it just, it, it is. No, it's happens. just, it's the facts are the facts. It's got nothing to do with politics. It's got nothing to do with religion. It's got nothing to do whether you're vax or anti-vax or anything like that. It has to do with the fact that people are dropping dead. They're getting disabled. And where the numbers were during COVID and where they were after the vaccination rollouts all over the world. Yep with a specific emphasis on the U.S., but we do have the international comparisons on that as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. And, and the Humanity Pro Project that my two cohorts did at Finance Technologies is done in Europe, uh, U.K., U.S. We just did Germany. Germany dropped onto the website, and we're going to work on Canada and Australia next. So we continue to do the work. It's pro bono. It's free. It's open to all. And uh, we hope people join us in this. Um, we call ourselves the watchdog of the watchdogs. So we'll see what happens. And we'll, help you, we'll help you as much as we can, Ed, seriously. My last Thank question, you. if you have information on what therapies are working for the vaccinated, um, how, how would you best get those out? Are you going to put those out on the website or? Well, so I, I've been so focused on this. Mm -hmm. I've been letting other people do that. And I don't, I've, I haven't had time to look at what's the best. Yeah. way to do this so this is something that we need to start focusing on because the mm -hmm. i want to have a message of hope there hope exactly. is coming i don't i don't I, i'm not the expert on that yet i want okay. to find the protocol and then promote it but i'm waiting to find find out what that is but there's a there's, a, there's some things you can do right now um one one major part of all the protocols is fasting intermittent mm -hmm. fasting or extended fasting because yeah. your body goes into what's called autophagy and it eats anything that's useless to you like fat and or proteins, spike proteins that are malformed and will, your body will eat it and hopefully reduce it, but it's gonna take a long time. Yeah. Thank you, Ed. Ed, thank you and God bless you guys for doing this again by this book, Cause Unknown, The Epidemic of Sudden Deaths 2021 and 2022. It will give you all of the information you need if you have loved ones who don't see don't see the horizon right now, or if um, they're thinking about getting the booster, because we know that a lot of people have had, maybe they've survived getting the, the initial shots, but when they get the booster, they really go downhill after that. And when God knows what happens after they get the second or third or fourth, it's unbelievable what's going on out there. Ed, thank you very much. Uh, and we really appreciate that you've joined us today. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on. Thanks for your nice book review. I read it last night and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I do. I, I if you know, I think it should it, on Amazon. I think you can give it five. I would give it 10. <laughs> thank you. I, I think this is, this is the book for everybody to read because it really gives you, it, it's, you know, it's startling when you take a look at it cumulatively and then compare it to other countries. And if it doesn't hit you in some, I don't know what else would get anybody's attention right now of all the books that are out there. I agree. And, you know, look, I just want to also say this is, was a team team effort. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I did, I did the writing, but the data, I had a lot of help. So I want to thank everybody. And you, mentioned that. you do mention that in the book. You do, yeah. you do give credit where credit is due. And Gavin DeBecker asked, um, adds at the very end too, for, for what he contributed to the book. Yes, Absolutely. thank you. Bobby's uh, forward as well. 
Well, congratulations, happy holidays, and come back and let us know. And also come back and let us know what you think next week after you guys all meet with Senator Johnson, because I think it's important. I've attended um, November of 2021 and January of 2022's uh, roundtables with, with Johnson. And it's important that they get more members of the Senate and the House in that room for when they have the open conversation on Wednesday. Well, my point is, is going to be that something's happened that's affected the employed and young of our country, uh, the most productive in our economy, and it's a national security concern, and they need to know that. And I, I'm good at elevator pitches. I'll probably have two or three minutes to do it, and I've done this my whole career. I'll, I'll nail it, I hope. Well, we'll be praying for you. I hope you do, Ed. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you for your contribution to this. I think it's very important for humanity. How, how do people get in touch with you, Ed? How, where do they find you? Uh, I'm on Getter uh, at Edward Dowd. I'm off Twitter. And uh, right now we have the uh, finance technologies, PHI, Nance technologies.com. We have the humanity project. You can reach us there too. If you want to help contribute to the humanity project, we're co you know, we don't we, we can't we can't answer like simple questions but if you want to help and you have a background we, we we're more responsive to those who can help us you know in this fight so thank you all right we hope everybody get in touch with ed dowd go out buy the book put it underneath your christmas tree put it on your coffee table it, it's it's a nice book you can put on the coffee table or put it on everybody's dinner plate <laughs> i want seven billion people to read this book seriously every judge every politician and everybody who thinks that their that their stock is going to stay up with the u.s pharmaceuticals because I'll, I'll do a bet i bet they tank oh they're going to tank and they're going to tank fabulously and uh the biotech industry is screwed because they serially raise capital on um unproven products that seem mysteriously get approved by the fda that business model is about to die hopefully wow you think you think any of those people are going to be held accountable because um, isn't it always a question that of who knew what when when they're raising? Uh, I think I think the good news is you know some of the people in the biotech industry alerted me to the fact that Pfizer had failed its all-cause mortality endpoint. So there are great people in the biotech industry that are ethical and uh, don't you know do scummy things like Vancell um, from Moderna. Moderna was a sketchy company from the get-go. Never had an approved product before this whole thing, and they were serial capital raiser. And one of the things that really, you know, caught my attention was Moderna was going to issue be one of the vaccines next to Pfizer. I talked to a friend that uh, ran a twenty billion dollar growth fund at American Century, good friend of mine, and we he didn't take the vaccine just based on that. Basically, you know, uh, Moderna's an, involved. I'm out. It's an agency front, obviously. I mean, yeah, they were a one man company for a while. Clearly, <clears throat> we have some internal Moderna documents. I'll send them to you, Ed. You'll have. Thank fun. you. You'll have fun with them. All right. Oh. Good luck to you. Happy holidays. Good luck with the meeting with Senator Johnson next week. Thank you. Take care, and guys. Stay on Broadway. Break a leg when you do your presentation. I will.